and welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles. Joining me this week is Wes Hilliard. Thanks for being here, Wes. Hey, Stephen. It's good to be back. All right. So we had a big Apple event this week. And if you did not see it, we actually had a recap episode. It came out Tuesday afternoon, right after the event, a couple hours after. So if you want the full recap of Apple's Time Flies event, where they announced the Apple Watch Series 6 and they announced the new iPad Air, go ahead and listen to that recap. It's actually only like 15 minutes and you get all the details from the event kind of in a info dump. I don't know what else to call it, but I just kind of ran through everything that happened on the event. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about in detail kind of what we thought about the event and also iOS 14, iPadOS 14, tvOS 14, and then watchOS 7 all came out this week, Wednesday of this week. And so we could talk about those as well. But yeah, Wes, we hadn't talked since the event happened. But as far as you were concerned, what were your general thoughts and feelings about the event production-wise and the announcements? Well, it was a pretty snappy event. I liked the production. I mean, again, they're just going over the top with their efforts almost better than Hollywood in most cases, filming like these big swooping crazy drone footage. And uh, there was one scene where they came off of an Apple Watch and it was one that uh, the presenter was wearing and it's just kind of funny. (laughs) But no, it was was a... Solid event, only being one hour. I thought they did what they needed to do and got out, and uh, we got some fun toys in the process. Yeah. Now, we did not see the AirTags, the AirPod Studio, and obviously nothing about the iPhone 12. So I'm curious what you think, but I'm holding that there's going to be another event like this one in October that announces those things and possibly that first Apple Silicon-based Mac before the end of the year that uh, Tim Cook had talked about. So you think there's going to be an October event? There's definitely an iPhone event coming, and then Apple Silicon Macs are a whole thing. So I'm almost willing to bet there's two more events down the line. Mm. I mean, if they can do three of these one-hour events, it's like one big event. like you know. And Apple having control of the entire production, it just kind of makes sense. There's no reason not to do multiple small events at this point. Yeah, that's true. And they could, I mean, the AirPod Studio and AirTags... They could almost do those in a press release. I mean, those are kind of new product categories, so I don't think they will. But they could do those press releases and then do one big event, iPhone 12, Apple Silicon Mac, and new Apple TV. I know that that's kind of been rumored too. But tell me, what did you think of the devices that were launched? Are you going to be buying anything or have you already bought something? Well, I ordered the Apple Watch the minute I could, and uh, (laughs) that's coming to me tomorrow in the mail. Yeah, I I fiddled around with it for a minute trying to get the titanium one just because I wanted to have that for a change but uh i saw the ship dates were a week or so back and i was too impatient so i switched to aluminum again and got the most basic band possible to ensure i got the friday ship date and that worked so yeah if you chose the solo loop or the braid uh that put you back into basically november right away so watch band could have ruined you there well yeah so that's kind of where i was you know it's funny uh, jason Aiton, who was on the show in an interview he was also going for the titanium one and saw the ship date slip so he went down to the stainless steel with a normal sport loop to kind of get that early ship date so you get yours tomorrow i stuck to my guns because i've never had a titanium version i've done stainless steel but so i got this the titanium one and the braided loop and so i kind of shot myself in the foot the most complicated uh, uh seemingly the longest ship date combination but it still says right now uh, as we record it says it's preparing the ship and it still has september 25th to 29th so next week as the ship date so hopefully i won't have to wait too long and on the next episode i can 
kind of talk about my experience with it. But I did get a solo loop and that actually shipped and arrives tomorrow. I bought it in a separate transaction. And yeah, that solo loop is on its way. It already shipped nice. and it will be arriving tomorrow. Yeah, I want to I want to figure out how those fit. Um, I didn't print out one of those little paper things, but uh, bef- once I figure out how they fit, I'm definitely going to get the braided one. Yeah, and that, the braided one is what I ordered with the watch because I love the way it looks. I think that also kind of hurt my ship time because I'd spend time printing out that fit thing. <laughs> I printed out the piece of paper. I cut it out and I was like, this is taking way too long, but I was, I was committed at that point. I was like, well, let, me, let me just do it. Uh, so we'll see. I'll let you know and everyone else how well that fit guide actually works. The stainless steel link bracelet, which do they still sell that the link bracelet? No, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe in the deep in the Apple website, but they don't have it anywhere else. Yeah. The, the $400. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And that was, you know, you don't buy it fitted, but you do like they ship extra links and then you kind of really have to play with how many links are in the band for it to ship perfectly. And that never really appealed to my taste. Uh, I don't want to have to be messing with the band that much. Yeah. I'd say if, uh, if the listeners want one of those linked bracelets, uh, ignore Apple completely and go get the Nomad titanium one. That's perfect. Yeah, those are very good. So I, I just did a quick search. Apparently they still sell the link bracelet kit so you can buy more links if you need to. Uh, but it doesn't seem like they are... Oh, no, no. You, you can still get it. You can get a 42 millimeter silver link bracelet for $350 uh, if you want to do that. Hmm. So anyway, yeah, I remember I got my original Apple Watch with the Milanese loop, and they don't really advertise that one anymore either. There's, there's kind of all the leather, the sports, and the nylons, and that's kind of most of what they push now. But So I know you tweeted about the iPad Air and how you were excited you're going to get that as kind of a companion to your iPad Pro that you already have. So tell me, why is it you're looking into the new iPad Air, and what has you excited about it? Well, mostly I'm impatient. I would really like an iPad mini with the new design, but I know that's not coming till at least, you know, March, April next year, if then. So the USB-C, the flat sides, it uses Apple Pencil 2. It's everything you want in a Pro, but I can still come in a couple hundred dollars cheaper, even with more memory. I feel like it's definitely a good smaller iPad to have to use as my actual tablet experience kind of thing. Whereas, you know, I use my iPad Pro 12.9 inches, this little laptop desktop thing. So That is true. I forgot your, your iPad Pro is a 12.9 inch. So this will kind of be a little more portable of a device. I have to say the, the Touch ID built into that sleep button is very intriguing. And I don't think they would bring it to iPhone. But man, that would be nice to have both Face ID and the side button Touch ID in a device like that. Honestly, I don't know. I I don't know the specs or anything or how it fits in there, but I can't see it being that complicated if it's just using the space of the home button. I mean, they could probably throw it in the iPhone 12 or maybe the Pro or something, but definitely a feature I would want. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious how it works when you get yours. There's no, you know, you can't buy the new iPad Air yet. I think they said what by the end of this month they said you can order it. Uh, the, I think that's people's guesses. Apple just said available this fall as usual. Oh, right. <laughs> there was a little snippet in the keynote where someone was playing with the calendar app and it said appointment event set for September 30th. And everyone's like, oh, that's when you can pre-order it. And who knows? We'll see. So one of the things just to cover the hardware. So, you know, they also announced a new kind of base model iPad. It's the eighth generation. And, you know, that's a great deal, especially if you have kids. I got the seventh generation for one of my kids for like, you know, doing school at home kind of work. But the eighth generation didn't really change that much. They updated the processor. It's a little faster. And uh, that's just kind of there. I will say, 
I'm curious your opinion too, but I feel like the iPad line is is a little convoluted, especially now that the Air looks just like the Pro and it has a newer chip, the A14, as opposed to the 12Z in the iPad Pros. I don't know what Apple could do there, but I feel like there might be some better distinctions. I also don't know what to call that base model iPad, except for like the base model. Well, it's the iPad, yeah. It's it's kind of annoying, especially like uh, if they come out with another 12-inch MacBook, that one would just be the MacBook. And I think we refer to it as the 10.2-inch iPad, but that's a mouthful. So That is right. And so one last thing on the hardware that was announced. So they also announced the Apple Watch SE which is a less expensive Apple Watch. You know, there were some rumors that it was actually going to be plastic, and it did not turn out to be that. The SE is still aluminum, just like the Series 5 and Series 6, but you can only get it in aluminum. It starts at $279, as opposed to the Series 6 starts at $399, so $280 versus $400. And you still can get it both sizes. You can get a 40 millimeter or a 44 millimeter. It has the year-old processor, the S5, as opposed to the S6, and it doesn't have like the blood oxygen sensor or the ECG capabilities, but it's still a good Apple Watch, and if you're going to go aluminum anyways, it's something that you can consider. Again, with the whole family setup in Apple Watches, it's a good option. I'm curious, though, they're still selling the Series 3, which is pretty long in the tooth at this point. And also that family setup feature that they announced at the event, you have to have an Apple Watch Series 4 or newer. So it seems a little strange to still be selling a device like that. And that's because maybe so they could hit the $200 price point because the the Series 3 is 200 bucks. Apple wants to compete with those cheaper Fitbit bracelets. They don't want to release their own bracelet. So that's the only, my only guess is, hey, if you want to, you know, work out and track your fitness levels and it all be secure through Apple and all that in the most basic way, here's your watch. But I don't see very many people going out to the store and saying, I want that one specifically, unless budget is the most primary concern. Last thing about the Apple Watch, the ceramic, the Apple Watch Edition ceramic model is no longer available with the Series 6. It came back in the Series 5 last year, but uh, you can't get the ceramic one. You can still get titanium, stainless steel, and aluminum, but no ceramic. And, you know, and I never actually got a chance to kind of feel one. Did you ever get experience with the ceramic Apple Watch? Uh, no, I, I've never touched one or even really seen one in real life. Um, I think they keep those behind glass cases at the Apple store. So not nothing I've ever played with. Yeah. And I was always, you know, it only came in white, which is kind of, you really have to want that kind of white, you know, watch look and, you know, I don't know, do your style around that. But yeah, I never really saw one in the wild either. You know, I see stainless steel and I see a ton of aluminum ones, uh, but never saw a ceramic. One last word on the Apple Watch Series 6 I can't remember if they actually included it in the announcement or not, but the Series 6 is now the first Apple Watch to have the U1 Ultra Wideband chip. And you had mentioned that one of the use cases for that might be like car key. The U1 chip is going to be used, I think, for a couple of things. Apple is being very quiet about it. I mean, they're saying it's for directional airdrop and Mm -hmm. finding your device down to a millimeter if you lose your iPhone or something. Those are very basic uses, but obviously we're waiting on uh, those tags to come out. Now, right. why would you need a U1 chip and an iPad that has Wi-Fi and other and Bluetooth and those other connections? Right. 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 If you lose an iPad, you're probably going to be able to find it much easier using find my iPad, get down within 10 feet of it, and you're going to find the iPad pretty easily. Uh, maybe in a future edition, maybe once they finally move up to the A14 uh, X or whatever processor in the next iPad Pro, we might see a U1 chip. But right. And that's why I mentioned the car key feature, because uh, and that's why I 
it, it was just a no brainer for me to get the watch because as soon as there's an aftermarket thing, I'm, I'm looking at, um, what's that company that makes ignition, uh, remote start ignition systems like Viper. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. I'm, I'm just yeah. watching them. They have a press release from like February saying, Hey, we're going to have uh, support for using your phone as a key and a and hmm. ignition and everything coming later this year. And they said like August, but obviously COVID happened. So who knows, but I'm watching that very closely because once they get that system out, I'm going to put it in whatever car I'm driving at the time, get that all set up. And I'm definitely going to use my watch as a car key. I'm going to throw that key fob out the window and forget about it. <laughs> yeah. That'd be nice one day. All right. Well, all the updates to Apple software, the iOS 14 and iPad OS that all came out this past week. And so I wanted to dive into a little bit of maybe our experience with it and what we have liked that we've seen and what's not. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Masterclass is an online learning experience with over 85 classes and a range of world-class instructors. You can learn cooking from Gordon Ramsay. You can learn about space from astronaut Chris Hadfield or... You can also learn about skateboarding from Tony Hawk, or you can learn about the art of negotiation from Chris Voss. I personally love the class with Chris Voss, especially if you do any kind of freelance work or work with clients. His methods of negotiation can actually really help in your communication, even just watching one of his lessons. And I also loved the class with Hans Zimmer. I took his course on music scoring and composition for film. And just in the first couple lessons, it's great you got... And just in the first couple lessons, I was able to learn the importance of creating a theme for characters and a theme for the story when you're writing for a movie score. And I love Masterclass because you can watch it anytime and anywhere. You can get the app on your Apple TV, your iPad, your iPhone. And if you start a video on your iPhone and then you hop in the car, you can actually switch those classes to audio only mode. And I love being able to listen to it as if it were a podcast and then flip back into video to watch it. Lessons are just about 10 to 15 minutes long. And so you can watch a couple on a lunch break or just to try a new course. You can watch a lesson or two in just 15 to 20 minutes. Every class has cinema quality video. They look great. They sound great. And that's the benefit of learning in a video medium because you can learn about cooking, learn about training your pets, and you can actually see the teacher doing the things that they're talking about. In addition to the video lessons, Masterclass provides you with downloadable lesson recaps and supplemental materials to help with learning. For example, the cooking classes come with beautiful downloadable guides at the level of a high-end cookbook. I highly recommend you check out Masterclass. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass, and as an Apple Insider listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. That's masterclass.com slash Apple Insider for 15% off Masterclass. Our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. Uh, one question I had for you, and I think I know the answer, but it seems like the HomePod did not get a HomePod 14 update. Is that correct? Yeah, not yet. It's still uh, on iOS 13.4, I think. Okay. Which I don't know, do they call it iOS on the HomePod? Do they call it HomePod OS? I don't think they do that. Um, last I read, and it might have been a hallucination, it, it, HomePod <laughs> actually uses tvOS, uh, which is insane, but yeah, that's... <laughs> Don't ask me. I don't know. <laughs> but yes, I think they use TVOS 14 eventually. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm curious if the 
facial recognition and and doorbell home kit announcing who's at the door thing. I'm not sure if the HomePods need the 14 update for that or not. So unclear right now. I've updated my Apple TVs to TVOS 14 and I have HomeKit secure video cameras. So I'm curious to see if that facial recognition comes up, but no HomePod update just yet. But I did see on the TVOS as I updated my Apple TVs, you can now do shared audio with multiple AirPods. So, you know, you could do shared audio from your iPhone or iPad before, you know, if you and someone else, if you both have AirPods and you want to stream the music, whatever you're listening to, to both people, you could have done that on a mobile device, but now you actually can do it on a TV. So maybe it's late at night. You don't want to bother, you know, roommates or wake up your kids. You can, uh, two people can wear AirPods at the same time and share the TV audio directly to their AirPods. Have you tried that spatial audio feature? Yes. Um, I don't think TVOS has spatial audio yet. I uh, think it has okay. something to do with the chipset and the T- Apple TV. Ah, I see. Yeah, I think they'll have to update that. Spatial audio is insane. I, I played with it on the iPad and the iPhone. It's kind of wild because I, I at first I couldn't tell it what was happening or if, what I should be listening for because Apple didn't describe the feature too well other than here's 3D audio for what you're listening to. And it's like, what exactly is 3D audio? So <laughs> toggling it on and off and listening to a couple of things, I noticed that first of all, it's taking the channels that it's given. So if it's two channels, five or seven, whatever, you know, Dolby Atmos, whatever you're listening to, it's taking that and spreading it out um, to a wider soundstage. So basically instead of it just being a left and a right channel you know, shooting into your ears as loud as possible. Uh, it's placing objects around you in a virtual space and playing the audio from that direction as if it, you were sitting in a room filled with speakers. Hmm. When you turn your head or move your device, your, the spatial audio adjusts using those accelerometers in your devices so that the audio is always coming from the iPhone, iPad, or whatever you're using. It's a pretty neat trick. And so have you tried like that, kind of moving your head in relation to the device? You like hear the difference? Yes, uh, it's... Very odd. Again, it's very odd. It's almost hard to detect, but um, you mostly can tell when you're not using spatial audio. Mm. So, so when you're not using spatial audio and you turn your head, everything sounds the same. But when you're using spatial audio and you turn your head to the left, you now have a higher pickup in the right ear as if all the audio is coming from the right side of your head. And it's it's a very subtle but noticeable effect. I think it's pretty cool. I tried it with TV shows and, you know, uh, Apple TV Plus content because that, that's obviously programmed for it. Yeah. The Apple event is actually programmed for it too, funny enough. Oh, wow. If you listen to the, through the TV app, that is. Games, this is uh, what it, it's going to be a big thing for is AR kit uh, type games where you're walking through a 3D space and playing. So you'll be able to hear the robots flying around your head or something. Mm, that's pretty cool. And have you noticed the changing devices with iOS 14 now being more seamless or easier to manage? Well, I've, first, again, Apple just doesn't document anything anymore. <laughs> they say seamless switching, but uh, what that really means is if you open right a supported app, and I guess right now all that's supported is first party apps first party apps so if you're listening to a tv show on your ipad and then you open the tv app on your iphone the audio is automatically going to switch to your iphone or if you start playing you know music on a different device it'll switch to that it doesn't work with mac os or any other devices just ios and ipad os right now Mm. and it's a little buggy so if you're say listening to a podcast on your iphone and you pick up your ipad sometimes you'll just lose that podcast and switch audio. Ooh. Uh, Apple, I think, has a few things to tweak here. Should be pretty cool, I think, once it's working. 
kind of a surprise announcement how fast they were releasing iOS 14. Typically, when they have an event like the iPhone event, they'll say, you know, Gold Master available to developers today. And then the official launch would be like a week later, at least. There were a lot of developers on Twitter kind of being like, you know, one final kick in the pants for the summer of Apple. But, you know, to release a Gold Master on Tuesday and then have the official releases coming the very next day, that's it's kind of tough on developers, especially they're trying to get their widgets ready because that's what everyone's going to be trying out when they first download iOS 14. And, you know, they basically had 24 hours notice rather uh, rather than a week. So that was a little weird, that kind of release schedule. Yeah, Apple was very aggressive with that announcement. I mean, developers have been working on this since, you know, late June. They got the, annou- the announcement in the toolkits two weeks later than they normally would have. And then Apple turns around and tells them, hey, everything's ready, you know, tomorrow. Right. Uh, rather than the week notice they normally get. And two weeks less than they normally have to even work on it in the first place. So it seems a little unfair, but I guess that's the kind of place we're in right now with all this COVID nonsense. Right, that is true. So one of the other big features, we're going to talk about widgets in a second, but with iOS 14, you can now set default apps for browsers and email. And you can, not all the apps have updated to take advantage of this yet. When it comes to email, I think Outlook is really the main email app that has updated already to be able to set as a default email app. But I know you, what, which one are you using currently? And has that updated? Um, I, I still use Apple Mail. I, I'm waiting for AirMail to update for this. Uh, they haven't. But uh, even in the beta they have out or the test flight, they haven't updated for it. So could be any time. I poked around a little bit. You can do it with Hey, the Hey app thing that you know got in a fight with Apple. Right. You can do it with Spark right now as of day one. So they already have their update out. You can set Spark as your default email. And to do that... You just open the app settings in settings. So you uh, scroll all the way to the bottom of your settings menu and click on the app you want to change to default. That's the same way you do it for browsers as well. That seems a little counterintuitive. I would have thought you would have gone to like mail and accounts or something on in the settings app. But yeah, you're right. You you go to the settings app and you scroll all the way down to the app you want to set as default, like Outlook or Chrome for web browsing. And then in that app settings, you can set it as a default mail app. That's a little, little strange uh, doing it that way. You're going to switch to Chrome, right? For your default browser? Oh, definitely not. Just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't use Chrome on my iPad or iPhone anyway. So probably not that, but I guess you had mentioned that you might try DuckDuckGo. I don't know if I even realized they had a standalone browser app. So some search engines like like them, um, I think Google search app technically counts as a browser, but mm. apps like that exist out um, as like mini browsers. And that, that was like a thing for a while. There was an Opera mini browser, but basically they func- they're, they're like, you have a dedicated search engine that acts as a browser. It's kind of weird, but DuckDuckGo has their security and privacy tracking aspects built into the app built on top of safari view controller because as everyone knows even if you can change your default browser you're still browsing safari in a web wrapper you know it's it's yeah looks like chrome but it's still safari on for all intents and purposes um i want to try DuckDuckGo because they have some pretty cool uh privacy things and i, I use their search engine anyway when i'm not doing work stuff so hmm. uh, just something i want to try out but I do realize, and this is probably why I'm just going to stick with Safari, that the content blocking applications don't work with third-party browsers. It's only for Safari. Right. So until Apple allows me to install content blocking for other apps like iCab or Chrome or something, I, I really have no interest in using another browser. 
Same. I'll be sticking with Safari. I think I am going to investigate Spark. Actually, the the Sweet Setup website actually had an article come out today, and they are saying that Spark is probably the best all-around email app for iOS. And I've never really given Spark a fair shot, uh, so I, I might try it and see if I can set it as the default app. Have you you've tried? Well, you've tried all the apps, right? <laughs> but yeah, have, you, have you tried Spark? Yeah, Spark's interesting. Um, they pivoted a. F- I don't know, a year or two ago into being this business centric app with like chat functions where you can share an email amongst your friend, your coworkers and discuss how to reply to it. Or I don't really know what you're doing there, but (laughs) yeah, they're corporate stuff, but uh, yeah, they're very, they're very much geared towards that now. And um, once they started doing that stuff, I kind of lost interest. Uh, Airmail, I feel like is the most like Apple mail, but it has those third party integrations like spark has. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. Uh, but with airmail, I don't know, lately, I'm not sure if it's their development team falling back or, you know, again, the, the COVID nonsense, but their um, update cycles have been much slower and their app, their integration of like Apple features has been a lot slower. So I might be switching to something else again. Of course. <laughs> I should go back to Spark. Man, try. I'm downloading it right now. I'm going to try it out. Because uh, I have found that the stock mail app, both on iOS and my Mac, for whatever reason, is just not reliably sending and foldering messages that I, I've done. You know, sometimes I'll reply to an email in iOS or Mac mail. And then I go back an hour or two later and see that it hasn't actually sent. And then I'll go to like either the Outlook app because I have an Office 365 account and then, or I'll go to the Gmail app because I have several Google accounts I work with and I'll see that the email did not send for whatever reason. So I'm getting a little suspicious of Apple mail. So that's, that's why I'm a little tempted by Spark and some of these third parties. Yeah, I mean, there's no perfect email app, and I'm I've been struggling with uh, switching around too, just because I use a shortcut for doing my email invoice. Make it's just a stupid simple shortcut. It inserts the day of the uh, month into the subject line, adds the word invoice to it, and then like does a body text of good morning, afternoon, evening. I get to choose one, and then like here's my invoice for insert month day whatever, yeah. and then it, then I get a you know, file picker to pick the invoice I just finished creating in uh, numbers. Right. That's all fine and good, but done the same thing and linked it up to create document and spark, create document and airmail and sent that to our guy. And when you do that, it drops the attachment and I've gotten emails back saying, where's your, where's your invoice? Uh, just, mm. There's no attachments here. And the only one reliable uh, that actually does that correct every single time is Apple mail. So even if I switch browsers, I think Apple Mail is going to sit in a folder somewhere just for that function. Yeah, I, I still keep it around too, so we'll see. This episode is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. Clean My Mac X is an all-in-one cleaning and optimizing software for your Mac. You download this app, and it optimizes your Mac's performance and does ongoing maintenance to make sure your Mac is always running as fast as it can and as well as it can. It's a cleaning utility that declutters your MacBook or iMac and runs necessary maintenance scripts to keep your Mac's performance at its peak. The app itself is simple and user-friendly, and it works wonders on your Mac. It can speed things up and breathe life even into old and cluttered Macs. You know, I was looking for an app that would optimize mine, and also when I deleted an app, I like to make sure that it's 
totally gone. All those files in the library and supplemental files, I wanna make sure that app is totally gone and Clean My Mac X does just that. Whether you're deleting files or entire applications, it'll always make sure that everything that you want off your Mac is off and it keeps your Mac running fast and smoothly. Clean My Mac X helps you stay aware of all the apps that are installed on your Mac and their permissions. You can find out which programs can access your camera and microphone. But the app's most popular feature is the Smart Scan. It examines your system for log files and user cache that's no longer needed. Smart Scan can do a quick malware check and then run optimization tasks to speed up your Mac. All this just takes a few seconds. Another superpower of Clean My Mac X is its ability to handle all performance-draining processes on your Mac. Its optimization feature is straightforward and a lot easier to use than the built-in activity monitor. Clean My Mac X gives you more control over apps and their files, and you can find out what apps and programs you have on your Mac and uninstall the ones you don't need. If you have an older Mac or you're just looking to optimize the new Mac that you just got, I encourage you to check out Clean My Mac X. Learn more about Clean My Mac X and download it for free at macpaw.com podcast. That's M-A-C-P-A-W dot com slash podcast. Check out Clean My Mac X at macpaw.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for sponsoring this episode. But what I really need help with, Wes, the big feature that was coming to iOS 14 that everyone's real excited about is widgets. So now you can get widgets. You know, widgets on the iPad, I feel like that's a whole nother world because you can't actually put them on the home screen. They're relegated to that sidebar thing. And I'm honestly not crazy about that. But on the iPhone, you can put widgets anywhere as far as, you know, quote unquote anywhere. It kind of does these weird arranging things as you, you know, put new widgets on screens if you have apps on there as well. But I am trying to find widgets that I actually want and widgets that I actually found useful. And I understand that many developers are kind of scrambling to get their widgets in the App Store, but I've, I've played around with some of them. And so far I've landed on a weather widget, like the stock weather widget is pretty nice. And they've added that dark sky, like precipitation in the next hour type feature on the widget, which is cool. Uh, but I honestly, I've not found a lot of widgets that uh, I've seen useful yet. So I don't know, Wes, tell me, have, have you found some widgets that you love or that you're using? I mean, this just came out and I've been pretty busy, so I haven't been able to play around too much. But yeah, um, one thing I did get is the carrot weather widgets, actually using those as a widget stack. So instead of just having one, it's, I'm using the single widget size. So it's the one that takes up four app blocks mm-hmm. on the home screen. And that shows the temperature and the weather condition outside so right now it's raining 67 degrees and uh i i'm using the snarky comments so i got well at least it's not acid rain thanks carrot (laughs) and then i can swipe up on that and it changes into the hourly view so i can see the weather for the next five hours on that little thing so i think that's a pretty handy thing to do is just have a widget stack and then stack multiple versions of the same widget or from the same app. And you can see multiple bits of information uh, from that. So that's something I'm trying right now. Yeah. The, so that's, that's what I found too, is that, you know, the weather one and stacking some have been good. I saw that things updated, you can get a things widget. And so I'm playing around with that. One of the things that I thought I would use more is the shortcuts widgets. You know, you can get the shortcuts widgets. You can choose a folder of shortcuts to surface inside the widget. uh, And you can even choose an individual shortcut to run. And I understand in shortcuts, you can make a home screen icon from a shortcut that actually only takes one 
block like an app icon would. But in it, but it's strange because when you go to add a shortcuts widget, even the singular shortcut widget that all it has is one shortcut to launch, it still takes up like four blocks on the home screen, which I feel like they should have just the single icon option as a widget in there as well. So I don't know. That it seems a little strange to me. I think Apple's trying to avoid um, having these single app icon widgets because like if you have a Siri shortcut for something, it's kind of indistinguishable from an app. And uh, if you don't, you only have a word or two you can fit underneath the app icon. So how do you know that's the, you know, photos app launcher or it's the photos app itself? You know, what, what are you actually clicking on? So Apple's probably trying to avoid some confusion there by having it be this big blocky widget with the description underneath whatever shortcut you're about to run. Yeah. I think the the multi shortcut widgets are going to be the most useful. I just need to uh, come up with more shortcuts and stuff to put in there. Yeah. So we'll see as third parties add more shortcuts for sure. Uh, we'll see. I see as I've downloaded Spark now, I see that Spark also has a widget available. So I'm going to play around with that. But listeners, let us know if you have widgets that you just love. You know, Carrot Weather has great widgets. So we know that. Uh, but yeah, tell us what widgets are you using? What widgets have you found? Has your favorite app updated to include widgets? Now, I don't know about you. I use Pocket Cast for my podcast listening. And so I'm hoping that they update soon and I can get a widget for Pocket Cast. Uh, you can get one for Apple Podcasts, but I, I personally don't use Apple Podcasts for listening. Which one do you use? Well, I was a long time Overcast user, but uh, for the beta cycle, I used Apple Podcasts. I might switch back to Overcast here soon. I'm still getting bugs uh, from Apple Podcasts. It's kind of driving me insane. If you want to hear one, it's fun. So I subscribe to Apple News Today just for fun. Yeah. A little nine-minute podcast, pretty easy to listen to. And I have an episode of that that can't be deleted. It can't. It, it's in the up next forever. So uh, sometimes it's at the back of the up next. Sometimes it moves itself to the front of the up next. But sometimes I'll just hit play on podcasts, and it just starts with that episode. And it's from like two months ago, and it's about the 2020 primaries. And <laughs> I'm just... And it, it can't be gone, gotten rid of. And I think I might be able to get rid of it by deleting the podcast app and redownloading. I just haven't tried it yet, but it's just one of the most infuriating bugs I've ever seen. Wow. <laughs> yeah. As, as far as widgets go, I, I like the information at a glance type stuff. Um, I mentioned before I use Apple's photos thing, mm -hmm. a couple that come to mind that are available. Look up uh, the dictionary app has a word of the day and you can put that in a widget. I think that's pretty cool. That's cool. Uh, something just to have, you know, sitting there, maybe in a smart stack, it'll just pop up periodically and be like, Hey, here's your word. Apollo Reddit app. That app is very fully featured for iOS. The dude's always updating it with uh, new stuff and his widget uh, lets you put like a joke from our jokes or the Reddit joke thing. And uh, it'll just like populate it with a random joke or whatever. So Stuff like that works uh, pretty funny and pretty pretty good as well. Just having a stack of, here's a random tidbit of information that you might look at once today, and it'll just disappear into the smart stack later. I think that's a yeah good way to use it. All right. Well, again, listeners, tell us, tweet at Wes and myself or email us. Let us know what widgets you're using and which ones you found that you like. All right. Well, one of the last announcements that we'll talk about from the Time Flies event was the Apple One subscription services bundle. And there's articles on appleinsider.com kind of explaining the differences between those plans. And I talked about it in the recap episode too. So check the links in show notes and you can learn more about that. But Spotify came out and started commenting about how this is going to hurt their business, again, it sounds like the same complaint from Facebook, how ad tracking is going to hurt their business. 
Because Spotify is saying like this bundle is di- will disincentivize or pull away customers from their business. And you had some funny tweets just about this. I know you, <laughs> I put in the notes, you know, your tweet on the matter. And you said, which one? Because you had several. Yeah, just tell me real quick your kind of general feelings about that Spotify complaint about the Apple One. Well, Spotify has just always been a very strange company to me. Uh, where do they operate out of? Uh, they're Swedish, right? Oh, I have no idea. They're over there in one of the countries that we can't really prosecute. And <laughs> And, and that's that's one of my problems with the company is they they people love them and and don't get me wrong like they have a, a great algorithm and that's what I mentioned is they purchased this algorithm they made their music service amazing they can give you really accurate really good recommendations but their entire company is based on this one concept of hey smart playlists work cool and you can create your profile and your friends can see what music you're listening to. And that's their entire business model is drawing people in with this music stuff. And the problem with apps like that, like email apps or anyone else that just is a primary service that's digital only with no physical goods and they can be easily replicated. And sadly, the industry kind of took that over. YouTube music stepping in and people are starting to pay attention to that. And Apple Music's been around since 2015. Spotify has only that business. Whereas Google, you know, has everything else and Apple's this monolith and Spotify has been struggling for years, uh, to make a profit. I think they turned, they got their money in the black one time last year and they were so proud of it. And that was it (laughs) every year since. And before they've never been able to turn a profit the last year, I think last March or so they filed a lawsuit against Apple. I think in the EU actually saying that Apple needs to get investigated for antitrust in the music industry. Right. And now Apple One has come out. They've come out and said that they're a threat. What was the exact quote? So first of all, they are uh, in Sweden. I looked up their their company location. That's one of their their base offices. The, the quote from Spotify is saying, Apple One threatens our collective freedoms to listen, learn, create, and connect, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> which is a threat threatening a freedom man what an exaggeration yeah I, it's just wow i i don't know who they're talking to i don't know like are they trying to get people to rally with them saying yeah apple's the bad guy is this another take advantage of the Fortnite bit and go go after apple as being this tyrannical dictator at the end of the day spotify <sighs> They, they are just, they don't have a foothold here. They're not selling devices. They don't have like a streaming MP3 player or something to subsidize this music business. People are going to hate me for talking about it. Like I'm, People have the whole same fanboyism as Apple users or Tesla, you know, people do. And <laughs> people are very passionate about Spotify. But the problem with the company is, is that they just don't make the money. They don't pay the artists. And they're in so many lawsuits every year over just skipping payments or paying them unfair amounts of money for streaming rights or just outright stealing content and admitting to it later after the court sessions are done. Now they're coming out and telling Apple they're destroying the freedom of creativity, basically. And it's just, dude, it's a bundle of services for $30 that Apple already had on the market. This isn't an attack on Spotify. You should follow Wes on Twitter. (laughs) You should go back and read his tweets on Spotify. And I'll also include the article in show notes uh, that Wes wrote talking about this whole threat to collective freedom, which is hilarious. That's the one thing I didn't put this in the notes, but I just wanted to touch on here at the end. You know, I've been looking for 
cases and kind of like travel companions for iPad. And, you know, I have a backpack where I put everything in, uh, my MacBook Pro and my iPad and all the dongles and everything. But sometimes, you know, I know you're kind of an iPad first user. There's times I want to just kind of go on, be on the go with the iPad and, and have kind of like a small case. I have to say, I actually found a new company that makes cases, leather cases, specifically for like iPad, where you can put your AirPods, your pencil, and a couple other things and just kind of be on the go. And it's called Harbor London. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but Harbor London makes leather products of all kinds, but they have a, an iPad mod type case and it fits the iPad Pro with the Magic Keyboard in it and it has places for Apple Pencil, AirPods, business cards, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it looks really great. Genuine leather, all that kind of stuff. I, I love it. I found it. And so I just kind of wanted to throw that out there. If anyone's looking for those kind of products, man, Harbor London uh, has some great stuff. What do you use? Like, if you, Do you have any kind of like iPad only case that you use if you're ever on the go? Um, I don't have the names off the top of my head, but they're just pretty basic bags anyway. Um, travel day one, uh, you know, two day trip kind of bags. Uh, I usually have these, uh, the, the bags by nomadic. They're these huge bags they make, uh, for, you know, camera gear and stuff. And if I'm traveling, I usually want to take my big camera and lenses and as a sleeve for a laptop. But if it's just going to be the iPad and a few cables, I have this little tiny, almost a purse kind of <laughs> backpack it has one strap. It's one of those one strap sling bags that you can get on Amazon for like $30. And this thing is perfect. I, I have a cable. It's a bag in a bag, a cable carrying case thing that I always have loaded with all the cables and adapters I could ever possibly need. And I just stick that in the bag with the iPad and I can just pick up and go for whatever I need to do that day. And, uh, you, if you just type in sling bag on Amazon, you'll see 5,000 of them. But yeah, <laughs> I definitely recommend having uh, a, you know, a cable go bag, bag in a bag. That's, it's a, it's a perfect, a always a the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's bags all the way down. That's it. Yeah. Listeners, let us know again, what you thought of the time flies event, what widgets you're using. If you're changing your default email app or browser, we'd love to hear that too. You can tweet at Wes or I, our Twitter handles are in the show notes. You can find and follow us there. You can also email us. You'll find that link in the podcast and all the articles we talked about. There's links to all of that in show notes. want to thank ones of you who have given us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Every week, there's definitely a few doing it, and so we really appreciate it. And if you haven't done that yet, go ahead and go to the Apple Podcasts app on your iPhone and give us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to check out our HomeKit Insider Show. That comes out every Monday where we talk about all the HomeKit devices and announcements, new products, and some of the projects we've been doing. Andrew actually has a huge project he's been working on. And so you can check out HomeKit Insider. You can go to appleinsider.com slash podcast and get all the links to the podcasts there. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.